0: I want us to think tonight, just for a moment, some of the walls that we have around our hearts tonight. I want us to think about some of the walls that we might have around our hearts tonight that we walked in here with. Maybe it's some anger, maybe it's some sadness, maybe it's some broken trust, whatever it may be. Whatever you walked in here tonight with, I want you to just think about it. And I want us to think about it as a wall surrounding our heart. I want us to think about it as a wall surrounding our lives. And tonight, before I get started, I just want everybody to take a moment. If you've put your offering in cool, close your eyes for just a second. And I want us to just break down that wall. Break down the wall. Get rid of it. Say, man, I walked in here with some trust issues. I walked in here with some pain. I walked in here with some sadness. I walked in here with some anger but I'm not going to let it block what heaven is trying to do right now. Jesus, break down the wall right now. Break down the wall around our hearts right now, God. Allow us to see you clearly. Allow us to hear you clearly. And allow your word to penetrate our hearts and our minds so that it can be tangible, Father. God, in this moment, less of me and more of you. We want to hear your voice only. Amen. All right, y'all ready for the word? All right, cool. Let's do it. You know, I, um, I preach at DSM, and I think that just as I've gotten into preaching and ministering and doing all this, like, probably my biggest struggle has been giving the same level of ministry and giving the same level of messages as I do on DSM nights as I do on Wednesdays and on Sundays. What I mean by that is on Thursday nights at DSM, I'm very comfortable, like very, very comfortable. I'm not afraid to say what God is telling me. I'm not afraid to preach and really get into it. But I found that when I get on Wednesdays or get on Sundays, I kind of step back a little bit. And I'm like, man, I don't want to rub people the wrong way. Or these people don't really know me that well as a pastor. These people don't really know me that well in this role. So I don't want to say anything that's going to turn them off to me. And I've fallen subject to that a couple times now. And two times now the Holy Spirit has convicted me and said, if you're not going to speak the truth and say what I told you to say, then get off the stage. I don't want you talking to these people. I don't want you talking to the DSM students. I don't want you talking to nobody. If you're not able to be obedient and say what I've told you to say, if you're not able to be obedient and preach what I've told you to preach and not be afraid of sin and not be afraid of the spirit that is on people to combat the spirit that's in you, right? Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so with that, tonight's message is called No King. Everyone say No King. We're going to talk about the book of Judges. And in the book of Judges, we see the Israelites living in a society with no king. Living as a people with no guidance, no direction. They got brought out of Egypt by Moses. They got brought into the promised land by Joshua. But they had no king. And Joshua, before he died, he did a great job fighting a lot of the Canaanites off out of the promised land. But the problem is that he didn't get rid of all of them. He didn't get rid of all the Canaanites from the promised land. And God clearly told them, he said, you have to get rid of it. You can't leave even one of them in there. Because if you do, what's going to happen is their culture is going to pollute the culture that I've established in you. Their beliefs are going to become your beliefs. The things that they say are acceptable are going to be acceptable to you. And that's exactly what happened. The Israelites slowly but surely drifted away from the character of God. They were ruled by judges. Judges weren't like Judge Judy or Judge Mathis. They were judges, as in like kings and and government rulers and war leaders. They're basically their kings of the time, but they were judges. And generation after generation, they spiraled away from the knowledge of who God was. They spiraled away from the character of God. And each and every judge had to go through this cycle of being chosen and risen up by God to take over and lead the Israelites to freedom, to fight out the different Canaanite tribes. And slowly but surely they would fall into these nastiness of sinning against God. We see Gideon rising up, being used. And then by the end of his story, he's building idols. We see judge after judge go in this cycle of saying, God, you're amazing. You're great. I'm going to not sin against you. I'm going to follow all the rules. I'm going to do everything right. And then they turn to their own strength. They turn to their own mind. They turn to their own power. And I love this verse at the end of Judges. It says, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. And it says it four times in the book of Judges, actually. In Judges 21, 25 is the last verse of the book. It says, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. And it points to two different things. It points to the fact that one, Israel didn't have Jesus. And there's a king that was coming, that was going to give clear direction, that was going to give freedom, that was going to pay the price. And the second thing that it points to is that everyone did what they saw fit. And it points to the fact that without a king, Without Jesus, without the direction of his word, without the Holy Spirit in our lives, that's how we live. We do as we see fit. We walk around and we go to church and we say, man, I love God. I go to church on Sunday, but when I leave these walls and I leave this place, I'm going to do as I see fit. I'm not going to open this book. I'm not going to live according to the word. I'm going to see whatever brings me personal conviction. And if it doesn't bring me personal conviction, that means it's okay. It's okay to live without acknowledging what the king said. And that's where we're at. That's where we're at as a culture. That's where we're at as Christians a lot of times, unfortunately, is that we live these lives where we say, man, we're Christians. We love God, but we're just like the Israelites. We sin against him, and we do as we see fit. Why? Because we don't want to acknowledge the fact that we need a king. We don't want to acknowledge the fact that we need a king. We'd rather be righteous in our own strength. We'd rather say, you know what? It brings me joy. It's good for me. You know what? I don't actually feel convicted about cussing this person out, so it's okay. I don't feel convicted about drinking this, so it's cool, or smoking this or watching that. So it's all good. And we see it deteriorating the foundation of who we are. We see, we see us falling away and drifting away from the character of who God is. And we see us losing power. And I want to point out tonight, we're going to get into it, but we're going to talk about the last judge of Israel. His name was Samson. But by the time that God rose Samson up, they were so far away from even understanding the character of who God was That they were lost. He rose him up and Samson was trash, man. He was a terrible person, but he was powerful. And Samson is who we are today. We're powerful. We have never lived in a time that you can have the amount of influence that you have like we do right now. Each and every person in this room can influence thousands of people by picking up something that's in your pocket. That was never accessible for people that came before us. You're powerful. You are powerful. Your influence is powerful. Your culture is powerful. The pool that you have on the people that are around you is powerful. But we're wasting it. We're wasting it with commenting on Facebook, we're wasting it with entertaining ourselves. And we're just like Samson, where we've drifted so far away from the character of God that we're so powerful and could be used to do a mighty, mighty work and deliver our generation and deliver these people and be an example and lead the way. But we're wasting it. Watching stupid TikToks, going on YouTube videos like, bro, what? God's trying to use us. But we're no better than Samson, so tonight, I just want to get into the story of Samson and just go through his life and really point out the fact that we need a king. Everybody say, we need a king. We need a king. God didn't send his son to earth just for fun. He sent his son to earth to show us how we are to live, to give us guidelines, to give us truth, to give us foundation. Because after the book of Judges comes Ruth and the story of the lineage of kings of Israel. That would eventually be the birth of Jesus. We need a king. And he's already come. He came, he showed us the way, and he paid the price. The price has already been paid. But we have to live like it. Amen? So the story of Samson starts out with Manoah and his wife. She's barren. And the angel of the Lord comes to her and says, hey, you're going to get ready to have a kid. And like everybody does in the Bible, when they see the angel of the Lord or God, they're like, oh, no, we're going to die. We saw God. Right. They get real crazy. They get get excited. and They're like, man, this is not good. But the angel tells her, so you're going to have a baby, but you have to live according to the Nazarite vow. You can't cut his hair. You can't drink fermented beverages. You can't eat any dead thing. You can't touch any dead thing. He goes through this, this law, so he has to be set apart. He has to be sanctified. He has to be filled and filled with the Holy Spirit at the time wasn't there, but filled with these rules that would give him the anointing to operate according to God's will. And before he was even born, she started living this way. She lived that way. She lived the way of the Nazarite vow. She didn't even allow any of that stuff to happen to her when he was in the womb. So Samson was born. and He was raised up as a judge. Raised up as a judge, never cut his hair, never touched anything dead, never drank anything. He was raised up. He was strong, right? Samson was like a superhero, one of the coolest characters in the Bible. You could make an amazing Samson movie. He was awesome. He was so awesome. He was strong. He could do amazing feats. But as he got older, that lack of connection to the character of God began to show. And even in all of his power, even in all of his strength, even though he lived a sanctified life, because of the drifting of who he was supposed to be, he was so far away that he allowed sin to dictate what he wanted. He allowed sin to control him. He allowed sin to say, this is okay. And because Israel had no king, in his mind, things were justified. Things were okay. His first problem is he wanted to marry a Philistine wife. And he asked his parents, he said, hey, can I marry this girl? She's beautiful. I know she's a Philistine. I know we're not supposed to do that, but she's beautiful. And his parents weren't even strong enough to say no. And that's a word for the generations in this room. Because if they're over there looking at the world... And the world is telling them, you should go marry that Philistine. You should go dabble in sin. And you aren't strong enough. And you don't know the character of God enough to say absolutely not. Then you are just as wrong as they are. And the blood is on your hands too. Because his parents sat there and said, okay. When they talked to God, they talked to the angel of the Lord. They knew the truth. They had a face-to-face encounter, but weren't strong enough, weren't bold enough, didn't have enough faith to say, no, you don't need to do that. We're not doing that, actually. Some of us have been complicit with allowing sin to linger through generations. And we like to criticize this younger generation for being so lost. They're so lost. How could they act that way? What did you tell them? Where did you stand up and say, no, that's not okay? Where did you stand up and say, we're not doing that? We're going to church. You're going to DSM. DSM's more important than baseball. Where did you stand up and say that? And we don't. Yeah, that sucks. But it's the truth. That really sucks, but it's the truth. So you don't have a right to criticize the younger generation when you're, you're also complicit in the sin. Stop talking about them. Where did you stand up and say, no, we're done. We're not going there. Because they didn't. They allowed it. They allowed Samson to marry her. On the way to marrying her, Samson kills a lion with his bare hands. Again, you can make an awesome Samson movie. Kills a lion with his bare hands, man. And he then later goes back to the carcass of the lion and there's honey coming out of it, and he grabs some of the honey and eats it. He breaks his Nazarite vow for the second time. First of all, he married a Philistine woman. Second of all, he touched something dead and ate from it. He ate from it. He broke it twice. He was raised from the time he was in his mother's womb, to be sanctified, to be different he had drifted so far. His family had drifted so far. This was a period of time where the Israelites were under the Philistine control for 40 years at the time. They were so far from understanding the character of God that he started to dabble in sin. And they didn't even think twice about it. They didn't even think twice about it. And that's why it's so important. It's so important. It's not just a young thing. It's not just an old thing. It has to be a connection of everybody in here saying we are going to live According to God's word, we're not going to miss church. We're not going to miss opportunities to serve. Even if the pastor comes up here and gives a trash offering message, I'm still going to give. Even if we don't do announcements, I'm still going to go to the events that the church puts on. I'm going to find the way to get there and find out the information. I'm not going to have to get airplane baby food sp- like fed every single time I need something. I'm going to pursue it. So here comes the airplane. We have a men's conference. <laughs> Open up. <laughs> we have a women's conference coming up. Look, look, look. This video is so cool. You should come. Ah. No, I don't want to convince. I don't want this. is stupid, guys. It's dumb. I'm sorry, Cece, for saying stupid. It's silly. <laughs> it's not a nice word. I'm sorry. I won't say that again. (laughs) But we start to justify sinful behavior. We justify sinful behavior. He messed around with it a little bit. He dabbled with it. He touched the line. He married the Philistine woman. As the story goes, he started to play games with the Philistines. He started to play games with the culture of his time, just like we do. But he made a bet he told some Philistines, he said, hey, look, I'm going to give you a riddle, and if you can solve this riddle, then I owe you a bunch of stuff. I owe you a bunch of property and clothes and all this cool stuff. But if you can't solve the riddle, then you owe me a bunch of cool stuff, right? And so the riddle, he said, was out of the eater, something to eat, out of, out of the strong, something sweet. So he was talking about the lion that he killed, right? Out of the eater, something to eat, so the lion... That he killed. There was honey in it, and out of the what did he say? Something sweet, whatever. He's talking about the honey. And his wife, who was a Philistine, they asked her. They said, "Samson, you." Or he, they said to his wife, "You have to get Samson to tell us what the answer of the riddle is." The Philistines told her that that was her culture. Those were her people, and they were they were going to use her to get the answer for the riddle from Samson. And so they said, "Hey, we'll pay you a bunch of money." If you can go get the riddle from Samson, but if you don't get the riddle, we're going to kill you and your family. Samson had already let sin into his life. He was already playing with the culture of the time. He was already playing with the world. He was already ingrained in sin. He didn't know the character of God. He shouldn't have been making bets with Philistines in the first place. God called him to deliver them from those people. We shouldn't be playing games with the world. We shouldn't be hanging out with the world. We shouldn't be giving the world riddles and making bets with them. Apply that word in your life where you need to. That's not what you've been called to do. You've been called to deliver this generation. You've been called to deliver your family. But you see how the enemy works is that he plants these little seeds of sin. These little ones, he might not tempt you with the whole whole sandwich just at first, but it's these little things. He said, you know, it's not that big of a deal. You can just dabble just a little bit. And Samson's first wife, he asked, she said, Samson, just tell me the answer to the riddle. Why can't you just tell me? You don't have to tell anybody else. And she nagged and nagged and nagged and nagged. And finally, Samson told her the answer to the riddle. And in the moment, it might not have seemed like a big deal, right? It wasn't a big deal. But the first point tonight I want to share is don't compromise. Don't compromise. Because when we compromise, we're given just a little opportunity for a seed to be planted. In First Thessalonians 5.22, it says, avoid the appearance of evil. Avoid the appearance of evil. Don't even look like you're doing something bad. Don't even give the opportunity for there to be a chance to even look bad. That that doesn't just say don't sin. Don't even give the chance. Because when Samson told his first wife the answer to that riddle, it might not have seemed like a big deal at the time. It might not have seemed like it was going to be this huge detrimental thing. It was just some clothes and some land. It wasn't a big deal but ultimately it led to the death of Samson. And that seed that was planted of evil grew and would lead to his demise. And that's what I'm warning us tonight, church, is that the devil isn't going to sit here and automatically hit you with the biggest thing that you struggle with. But you can't afford to dabble. You can't afford to justify. You can't afford to sit here and say, oh, well, it's just a little bit of, little bit of weed. It's just a glass of wine so I can go to sleep. It's just a little bit of gossip so I can have some fun. It's just a little bit of pride. It's just a little bit of critical spirit. It's just a little bit of hate. It's just a little, because when you do that, that seed gets planted and the devil sees your patterns. The devil sees where you're weak. and He said, oh, okay, I can see that he can't, can't handle himself around women. He can't even handle himself not to tell this this Philistine woman a riddle. And to us, it's like, oh, it's just a riddle. It's just a glass of wine. It's just a, a little bit of weed. It's just a little bit of porn. It's just a little bit of gossip. It's just a little bit of pride. It's just a little. But the devil's sitting there sitting back. I got you. I got you. You messed up. Because as the story goes, Samson's first wife, obviously, runs back to the Philistines, tells them the answer to the riddle. And Samson gets big mad. Like, he's like, bro, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I knew that my wife told you because that's the only person I told the answer to. So it says he goes and he kills the 30 men that he was making bets with. It says, then the Philistines retaliate, send a thousand men. Samson picks up the jawbone of a donkey, kills a thousand of them. They go back and forth in these fights. They kill his first wife. He's going back at them, killing them, winning victories. Some time goes by. Samson's continuing to terrorize these Philistines, man. He's tearing their gates up. He's setting their their crops on fire. It says he tied fire sticks to the back of foxes' tails and set them loose in their grain fields. This dude was a menace. He was conquering these guys. He was going crazy. Beating the Philistines up. But like I said, he let that seed get planted. And the devil waited, and the devil waited, and he watched. And then along came Delilah. Everybody say Delilah. Does anybody know anybody named Delilah? Ooh, that's crazy. When I hear some people's names, and then I, <laughs> I read some names, and then I, I read, like, the Bible stories around them, like, why would you name your kid that? I'm going to preach a preacher message on Jonah, and I have some friends named Jonah. I'm just like, bro, what? If you even read even a little bit of that book, why would you name him that? That's a terrible, like, he's a terrible person. It, whatever. We speak in life over all the Jonas and Delilahs right now that are alive in this day and age. Let them break the curses off that name and be amazing in the kingdom of heaven. Amen? That name means nothing. <laughs> it's like, why would you name him that? That's crazy. That's a terrible name. Um, <laughs> but Delilah pops up. Another Philistine baddie, certified 10 out of 10, like the most beautiful girl Samson has ever seen. She pops up. He said, man, I want to marry her. And he does. And just like last time, the Philistines come and say, hey, look, Delilah, you're one of us, and we will make you dirty, filthy rich if you can find out how this menace gets his strength. How is it that he's able to pick up the jawbone of a donkey and kill a thousand of us? Delilah, tell us how it's done. Figure it out. What's the secret to his strength? How do we kill him? And tonight, church, I want us to take a second and think about what we're opening ourselves up to. Think about it for a second. Maybe close your eyes if you need to. Think about what you're opening yourselves up to. Where are you letting sin poke at you? Where are you letting sin nag you? Where have you let sin in the past trip you up where you run back to it that you haven't dealt with? In Ephesians 4.27, it says, don't give a foothold. Don't give a foothold. A foothold, and you can open your eyes back up. A foothold is a strategic base, sorry. A foothold is a strategic base set behind enemy lines. That allows the enemy to bring in supplies and reinforcements. That's what a foothold is. You know, I like to visualize our lives as like this island, right? We have this island and our heart's at the center of it. Our soul's at the center of it. And God is in there with us. And the enemy is just attacking the beach constantly. He's always attacking the beach. And I want you to just think of the beach of your life. Think about where there's a foothold. Where is it that the enemy has established a place where he knows he can get you? Where he's established a base camp, where he's funneling in supplies, where he's funneling in reinforcements. Because he's not always just going to attack you outright. He might start with a little riddle, he might start with a little bit of sin like we talked about earlier, but he's waiting. In 1 Peter 5.8, it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Seeking whom he may devour. He's waiting. He's waiting for you. Where is the foothold in your life? Where have you justified sin? Where has the devil seen you put a pattern in your life where he knows he can make you trip up? I shared this quote the last time I was here, but C.S. Lewis says it beautifully. Appetites grow through indulgence, not neglect. Where do you indulge in sin that is allowing the enemy that is sitting outside like a roaring lion waiting for you to be devoured? Because it might not be this huge thing, you might not fall into an addiction, you might not fall into being this miserable person off of the rip, but when life starts to get hard, when things start to fall apart, when things start to break, when things start to crumble all around you, where is it in your life where that foothold is going to turn into an all-on attack of your heart? Because that's what he's waiting for. He's waiting to say, oh, that's where you justified that little drink every single night? Cool. Now your life is in hell. I'm going to erupt in this island, and you are going to be filled with sin, and now you're a drunk person that is addicted to alcohol. Oh, you were flirting with that coworker because you thought it was cute and harmless? Great. Now you and your wife just got into a fight. Guess what's going to happen now? Oh, you stopped going to church every now and then because you watched online, and you just stopped watching online? Well, guess what? Now you're in hell. What are we going to do? you're lost, you have been in bondage, you're done now, you're caught. Where is the foothold? Where is he holding on to you? Because as Christians, we don't have room for it. We don't have room to leave it there. We don't have room to entertain even for a second. We don't have room to make riddles and play with the world because he's not playing with you. He is here to steal, kill, and okay, so y'all know. So you know better. Amen. That's wonderful. But we can't play. It's not a game. Because just like Samson, Delilah started to nag over and over and over. Samson, if you love me, tell me the secret of your strength. Tell me the secret of how you're so strong. How are you able to do this how are you able to kill all these Philistines how are you able to destroy us like this and Samson being the cool cat player dummy that he is was like you know if you just tie me up with some ropes that have never been touched by human hands they're like Fiji water ropes if you just tie me up with these ropes then I'll lose (laughs) I'll lose my strength and I'll be able to be taken down And so here comes Delilah's dumb self. These guys are both really dumb. Here comes Delilah's dumb self. She said, okay, cool. He falls asleep and Delilah wraps him up in the ropes, ties him up. Then she wakes him up. She says, Samson, the Philistines are coming. Wake up, wake up. And Samson stands up, breaks out of the ropes and gets ready to fight. And when I think about this part of the story, after the first time Delilah tied you up, <laughs> After the first time your girl tied you, be like, "Baby, I think we should start seeing other people." <laughs> I don't really like where this relationship is going. You know, you're cute, but that was crazy. <laughs> that wasn't a very funny joke. I'm not into those kind of games. So, <laughs> but here's Samson go. <laughs> She plays with it again, asking, okay, Samson, tell me what the truth is. You just mess with me. What is your, your secret? If you love me, you'll tell me the truth. And he goes on in this cycle of telling her ways to take his strength away. He says, okay, if you tie me up with this kind of rope, she does it. He wakes up, breaks the rope. If you tie my hair into a sewing system, then that'll work. She like, guys, it's crazy, She's, yeah, she's like, if you, like, thread my hair into a blanket, like, then I'll lose my strength. Like, and she does it. What type of cra- I told you this movie would be great. <laughs> and time after time after time, he gets up and he gets delivered and breaks free from the, the bondage of it. And it's funny to sit there and laugh at Samson and say, man, you're an idiot for running back to that thing over and over again. But you know what? When you think about the way that we run back to our sin, we're just as dumb. We run back to the same crap that ties us up over and over and over and over and over over again. And God delivers us from it. And then we run right back to it and say, oh, tie me up again. And then I get out of it. And then, oh, you can tie me up again. We're in the same exact cycle. Getting tied up. Tied up by that anger problem, tied up by that addiction, tied up by that pride, tied up by that critical spirit, tied up by that hate. Tied up. Then God's like, I love you. You're free. Get out of that. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. Oh, there's a foothold in my life. Ah, I'm having a stressful day. Tie me back up. We go through this terrible cycle with sin, allowing it to tie us up. We're no better than Samson. Stop laughing at him. It's you. It's, it's me. I had to check myself. I had to sit here and read this book and say, what an idiot. And I said, wait a minute. I had crumble cookies last week. God definitely delivered me from that. So wait a minute. (laughs) Who am I laughing at again? That's what we have to do as Christians, though. We have to look at ourselves and say, man, where am I letting footholds get me tripped up over and over and over again? Where am I being tied up over and over and over again? Because God has called you. He's called you. He's called you to be set apart. He's called you to be sanctified. He's called you to be used He's called you to lead this generation. He's given you power. You're more powerful than anybody else that's ever been on this planet before. You have it. And you have the anointing. But when we play with the world, we lose our power. Because we sat there and we watched Samson. He goes and finally he tells Delilah the truth. He says, Samson, what's your secret? She says, cut my hair. I'll lose all my strength. And finally... Delilah gets it right. She cuts his hair off and says, Samson, the Philistines are here. And it says they got him. They grabbed him. They beat him up. They plucked his eyes out. They threw him into the jail to push a mill. They got him. That's what sin does. If we play with it long enough, it's going to get you. Keep teasing it. It'll come and catch you. And when you sell out to the things of this world, you lose your strength. Write that down tonight. Put it on your phone. Put it on your forehead. Put it on your mirror. When you sell out to the things of this world, you lose your strength. You lose it. God wants to use you, but he's not going to mix in with the things of this world. You have to live sanctified. Because you have a mighty calling. I love this verse in 2 Timothy 2.20. It says, In a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. So flee the evil desires of your youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Go back to verse 20. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some are for common use. I want to be for special purposes. I don't want to be for common use. See, this is a large house. The body of Christ, the body of Christians is a large house. And there are Christians who are going to dabble with sin. There are Christians that are going to live with a bunch of footholds on their beach that will make it into heaven just fine. Congrats. But they never would, will bring heaven to earth. They'll never bring heaven to earth. And that's the sad truth of the Christian church today, is that we're all in the body. We're all in this house. But some of us Are you being used gold and silver for special purposes? Some of us are just common use. Some of us are wooden toilet seats. (laughs) I want to be a wooden toilet seat. That's disgusting. Common use. (laughs) You have been called for special purposes. But to be able to be used for special purposes, you have to live a life set apart. You can't dabble in sin. You have to take up that vow and say, God, I'm not letting footholds be a part of my life. I love when I watch, like, the vampire, um, um, whatchamacallit, werewolf hunters, and they get the gun with the silver bullets. Like, I want to be the, the golden gun with the silver bullets that God can use. I want to be the white oak steak. Like, I want to be the good stuff. When somebody has cancer, I want to go lay hands on them. When somebody wants to kill themselves, I want to go over there and pray for them. But we have to be equipped for that. When I'm going through hell, I don't need you that likes to get drunk sometimes to come pray for me. I don't need you that's filled with a bunch of pride and anger and lust and all this other crap to lay hands on me. Please keep your hands off. I need the gold and the silver, the people that have been used and called for special purposes, the people that have been sanctified, the people that look at life and the desires of this world and say, you know what? No, I'm cool. That's momentary pleasure. I'm more into sustainable joy than instant gratification. So I'm not going to go over there and do that crap that y'all playing with because I know that there's people living in hell that need me and I want to be gold and silver and I want to be put on this earth to be used for special purposes. So guess what? That means I don't get to have that glass of wine. means I don't get to smoke that weed. I don't get to watch that porn. I don't get to spread that rumor. I don't get to spread that hate. I don't get to live beneath my calling. I don't get to live like the rest of this world. I don't get to allow my strength to be sold out because I want to be like everybody else. I don't care if I'm popular. I don't care if you like me. I don't care if I follow all the rules that your culture and society and friend group follows. I'm not doing it because I want to be used for special purposes, God. That is my heart. That is my prayer. Use me when it's time to go to war. Pick me up and use me. I want to be used. I'm not playing. I don't want to play no more. We done with the play play. Because he he hasn't been playing since the start. He's not playing with you. So keep being that common use Christian that's not doing anything in your life. And wondering why you're in bondage and struggling with these things. Why you're entertaining sin. I'm cool and I know that some of you will walk out these doors and keep doing it that's fine but for some of you tonight is that push tonight is that push see I'm getting rid of this crap I'm going on the beach and I'm cutting all these footholds out of my life I'm done all that pride of thinking too low of myself I'm done that gossip I'm done Missing church for anything, I'm done. There shouldn't be an empty seat in here. We shouldn't have enough transportation for DSM because there's so many kids. But we failed over and over again, getting tied up. At the expense of who? People thinking we're good? Think People thinking we're cool? Why are you making bets with Philistines? What are we entertaining, guys? You've been called. As Samson got captured, put in jail, his hair began to grow back. His hair began to grow back, and the Philistines didn't notice it. Eventually, they threw a big party, and they said, hey, let's bring Samson up here to entertain us. You know, he killed so many of us. Now we got him like a dog. Let's, let's string him up here and have him entertain us. And he brings Samson into the party. They bring Samson into the party, into the temple. There's 3,000 people in there. They chain him up, making fun of him, throwing stuff at him, mocking him. And God looks looks up to heaven, or Samson looks up to heaven, and he says, God, don't forget me. He said, Savior, don't forget me. Lord, remember me. Allow me to use my strength one last time kill these philistines let me be used one more time give me another chance and it says that samson with one last push pushed the two pillars down that were holding up the temple and he killed three thousand philistines and it says that in his 20 years of being the judge of israel he hadn't killed that many people he killed more in that night than he killed in his entire rule three thousand. And I close with this. In Jeremiah fifteen fifteen it says, Lord, you understand. Remember me and care for me. Avenge me on my persecutors. You are long suffering. Do not take me away. Think of how I suffer reproach for your sake. And tonight I want us to make that our prayer. Say, Lord, remember me. Lord, remember me. Care for me. Avenge me of my persecutors. I know you have grace. I know your grace is sufficient. Avenge me of being tied up over and over again from this sin. Avenge me of allowing footholds to be in my life on this beach every single day of my life. Avenge me, Father, and use me. I want everybody to stand to your feet tonight. And before we go, I want to have a little bit of time to just spend in the presence of God and have that conversation with God tonight. So as we close, I want to invite you to come forward to the altar one last time before we get ready to get out of here. I want to invite you up to the altar tonight. Spread out across the front. Make sure everybody has room. But I want us to spend some time with Jesus tonight because unlike the Israelites of that day, we have a king. We have a king and his name is Jesus. He came, he gave his life to pay for our sins. He gave his life to pay for our freedom. He gave us the gift of his Holy Spirit and we have access to it. It's a gift that we have access to right now, right here, tonight. And so, before we leave tonight, I just want you to make that verse your prayer. Jeremiah 15 15, Lord, you understand. With every eye closed, the Lord understands. He sees you. He knows you're human. He knows what you struggle with. He knows the things that you go through. He sees you. But He's telling you right now, I hear the Holy Spirit saying, Get off of the throne right now. You have a king. Acknowledge that right now. In your heart, you have a king. You have a king that rules over it all. You have a king that loves you. You have a king that is merciful. You have a king that will look at that darkness that's in you and kick it out. said, Lord, you understand. Remember me and care for me. Make that your heart's prayer tonight. Lord, remember me and care for me. Even when I'm getting messy. Even when I start to entangle with the world a little bit and play these games, God, when I lose my way, remember me and care for me. Connect me back to your heart. Connect me back to your character tonight, God. I want to know your character. Don't let me drift. Our final request is avenge me on my persecutors. Avenge me on my persecutors, God. In those places where I've been tied up, in those places where I've given a foothold, avenge me, Father. I don't want to stay in that place any longer. If that's your heart's prayer tonight, I want you to just lift your hands to heaven right now. Father, I thank you that you are in this room right now. I thank you that your spirit resides in each and every person that is in this room, God. I thank you that you are calling them, that you are reminding them that they are the called of the Lord, that they have been set apart, Father, that they have been filled with your Holy Spirit to live a life that is sanctified, God, that they have been filled with your Holy Spirit that is a life that will set people free, that will set people free from bondage, God, and that you have not called them to the things of this world, Father. I thank you that there are chains breaking off of people right now in this moment, in. In Jesus' mighty name, there are chains breaking off right now, God. There are footholds being taken out right now, Father. Where the enemy thought he was sneaking in, God, you are snuffing him out. Right now in this moment, in Jesus' mighty name, you are breaking chains off of people right now. You are showing them where the enemy has tried to linger, God. And you are saying, you must go right now in Jesus' name. Speak that over yourself, church. Say, you must go right now. In Jesus' name, you must go. You have no place in my life, you have no place in my family, you have no place in my generation. You must go now in Jesus' name. You have been called tonight. Our request, God, is that you would use us in a mighty way. Use this place as a house of worship. Use this place as a set-apart people that will be tools of gold and of silver, that will be ready for special use, God, that will be able to drive demons out, Father, that will be able to heal the sick, Father, that people will come here and be set free, Jesus. I thank you that you are moving in this room and you are moving over hearts right now, God. God, allow us to be set apart. Help us not to sell out to the things of this world, God. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. Fill us with a new fire tonight, Jesus. Fill us with a new fire tonight, Jesus, that burns away momentary pleasure desires. Fix our eyes on sustainable joy that is only found in heaven. Fix our eyes on sustainable joy, Father, that is only found in you. Jesus, I thank you for being in this room tonight. I pray that you will continue to break down the walls, break down the walls of hell, break down any attempt of the enemy, Father. God, remind us each and every day that greater are you that is in us than he that is in this world. We have nothing to fear. We want to be used by you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I want to thank you all for coming out tonight. Feel free to spend time up here. Spend time talking to Jesus. Don't feel like you have to walk out right away, but you're officially dismissed. Live right, love everybody, and pray hard. God bless you guys.